Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lance, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people and how to apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. Learn more about the program and our ministry when you visit walkintruth.com. Now here's Pastor Michael's teaching in Hebrews chapter 11, 23-26 called A Faith That's Not Afraid. Glad you're here. We're in Hebrews chapter 11. We're moving verse by verse through the book, and we have come to verse 23 of Hebrews 11. We are looking at Moses and Moses' story of faith, which involves more people than just Moses, as we will see in a moment. Once you have it, if you're able, stand with us for the reading of God's word. Hebrews 11. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden three months by his parents because they saw he was a beautiful child and they were not afraid of the king's edict. Now we're going to talk about a faith that's not afraid. That's the first mention of being not afraid. So just note that you can mark that in a moment. By faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to endure ill treatment with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin. Considering the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. By faith he left Egypt, second time we see this now, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is unseen. You can have a seat. Father, thank you for all the precious people who have gathered tonight in your name. And two, Lord, really, for all of us, as we study the book of Hebrews, to really see our faith increase, to see our faith grow, to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ, and to grow by examples of the past, which the Hebrew writer has brought up, spirit-inspired faces, if you will, that we could connect to, that we could remember that human beings like us made it through tough times. They made it Uh, through very trying circumstances, probably much more difficult than most of us will ever face. And they made it, and they made it by faith. And Moses is a great name, a great man of faith. And, And even though he was that, Lord, we know that he had his challenges and he had his doubts, and he even uh, had his doubts about his own uh, ability. But in the end, you took this man literally from the water, and you allowed him to lead a nation through the Red Sea to Sinai and to the border of the promised land. And Lord, there's many things that we can learn in this little section tonight, but the application that we always desire is how can we live out what you have for us now in our contemporary age, in our time, when we face challenges uh, in our nation, and we need to have uh, the faith to navigate them well. So help us, Lord, with that. We lay the time at your feet. Give us ears and a heart to respond the way you'd have us to. In Jesus' name, all God's people said, amen. A faith that's not afraid. I know fear is a big thing for probably every human being that walks the face of the planet. Some of us probably hide it better than others, but we're all dealing with fear to a certain extent. And the Bible is chocked full with promises about how to overcome fear. In fact, if you do a concordant search on don't be afraid, 
or fear not, you will find many promises in the Bible, Old and New Testament, which will encourage you. And they're there for a reason, and that is because we face fear. And we know that God's not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, the power of the Holy Spirit, of love, and a sound mind. And each of those components are ways to overcome fear. The power of the Holy Spirit, love, which casts out fear, we're told in 1 John, and a sound mind will eradicate fear because when you have a sound mind, you will have sound doctrine feeds a sound mind. You will have stability. You will have hope. You will have a good biblical perspective. So, so far as we've moved through all these heroes of the faith, the great hall of faith in Hebrews chapter 11, if you've been with us, we started with Abel way back in verse 4. And if you look ahead, the last name we have is Joseph. From Abel, in the very early chapters of the book of Genesis, all the way to the end of the book of Genesis, which is the story of Joseph, which which is captured in, I think it's about Genesis 37, all the way to the end That's Genesis chapter 50 with the death of Joseph. And uh, that's every uh, face in the hall of faith so far has all been in Genesis. So you could chronicle it easily by just, you know, you read the name and then you go back to the story. Now we transition to the next book of the Bible. It's pretty easy to navigate, right? The writer's just going to move from characters in Genesis to now a main character of the book of Exodus, and that is Moses. And if I said Exodus and said, think of a name, you'd probably say Moses, right? And so Moses takes up really all the pages of the book of Exodus, and he's the central character of it. And we have this familiar refrain in verse 23 as we transition to a hero in the book of Exodus with the, by faith, Moses. Now, the writer is going to start off when Moses was just a baby. It says, when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents. And verse 23 really has more to do with Moses' parents than Moses, because they saw he was a beautiful child. And we all know that there's no ugly babies, especially in our own families. Can I get a witness? All right. Now, I have a new grandson, by the way. So he was born yesterday morning at about 5, 5.30 in the morning. And I don't have a name to share with you yet because parents are still moving through that. There's a lottery system going on. No, I'm just kidding. If you guys are watching, love you. But anyway, but um, I have pictures on my phone of the baby, and we got to see the baby uh, earlier today, my wife and I. And uh, very precious. And he was just over six pounds, and came a couple weeks early and it's just this little tiny thing and you know when you hold a baby it's just so cool and they're so fragile you know and you want to make sure you got the the neck supported well and all of that good stuff and of course dads you know they're already spinning the kids around when they're newborns throwing them up in the air and all that stuff just kidding not throwing them up in the air but but anyway as as I was looking at the child um, this morning I was thinking about promises, uh, futures, what the world's going to be like, what he will be, uh, how the Lord will use him, things like that. And I'm sure mom and dad have had had similar thoughts. And if you're a grandparent or maybe even a great grandparent, you know, we we start thinking about things like that and how much time we're going to have to actually invest in a newborn, you know, when 
A lot of us have lived a good portion of our lives already. And the writer of Hebrews takes us to Moses, but to the time of his birth, and specifically to the faith of Moses' parents. Which, if you think of Moses and, and you know something about the story of Moses, you might not immediately think of Moses' mom and dad. But their names were Amram, Amram and Yochabed, or Yoshebed. And they were very brave at a very difficult time in Israel's history. As the Bible transitions from Genesis to Exodus, if you flip over there, just the second book of your Old Testament, you're going to see the story. And the story is set in the book of Exodus as we see a new pharaoh come into town. The death of Joseph is in Genesis 50, verse 26. He lived to 110 years, and Pastor John preached about the moving of his bones out of Egypt. And in Exodus 1, verse 6, take a look, it says, And Joseph died, and all his brothers, and all that generation. So all the, the Genesis generation, if you will, all the sons of Jacob, all those uh, patriarchs and the 12 tribes represented. But the sons of Israel were fruitful and increased greatly. And you know, in the story of Genesis, there's the famine, and the family uh, goes to Egypt because Egypt has the grain, and Joseph providentially has become the second in charge there, and you guys know that story. And that's how the family originally moves from the, the uh, land of Canaan to Egypt. They're there because of a famine, but it's all the providential hand of God. And so uh, Joseph obviously was very well to do. He promised to take care of his family. But Joseph died, and all that generation But the sons of Israel, and this is a fulfillment of the promise that really was given to Abraham, that your uh, descendants will be as the stars of the sky, the sand of the seashore. They increased greatly. If memory serves, I think 110 people went uh, with Jacob to Egypt, but now they greatly multiply. And just to give you an idea, most scholars would argue that when they leave Egypt, there are at least a million or more people. So there was a great, you know, multiplication of the nation in fulfillment, at least partial fulfillment of God's promise. And the sons of Israel increased greatly. They multiplied. They became exceedingly mighty so that the land was filled with them. Exodus 1.8. Now a new king, that's another way to say Pharaoh, arose over Egypt who did not know Joseph. So Moses' faith story Begins when he was just a baby, and a pharaoh has now risen to power, and pharaoh is really just a title, and he didn't know Joseph, and and maybe the implication is he didn't really care about Joseph. He didn't care about the significance of Joseph. You know, when someone takes leadership in a nation, influence can, can wane, and the influence someone had maybe on a past pharaoh may not matter to a current pharaoh, and that's really what happened. And this particular pharaoh was threatened by the uh, uh, explosion of the population of the Israelites. And this king of Egypt, 15, Exodus 1, spoke to the Hebrew midwives, one of whom was named Shifra, the other was named Pua. And he said, when you are helping the Hebrew women to give birth and see them upon upon the birth stool, if it is a son, then you shall put him to death. But if it is a daughter, 
then she shall live. But the midwives feared God. You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. Would you please consider supporting Walk in Truth being on this radio station and podcast for at least $5 a month? As a thank you, we'll send you more content from Pastor Michael and the Walk in Truth team through our new Walk in Truth app. You will have quick access to our daily episodes. Welcome to Walk in Truth. You can watch videos of Pastor Michael's most recent Sunday sermons. When the fullness of time had come, God sent forth His Son. And access to our bonus podcast and video series, A Step Closer. That's how I showed my anger. Not in words, but in you can't have me. Mm -hmm. And that obviously took a toll in our relationship. All this and more is available to you on our new Walk in Truth app as a thank you for your financial gift. Please become a financial partner of at least $5 a month. Visit walkintruth.com. That's walkintruth.com. We'd love to see who's listening, so please connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Just do a search for Walkin' Truth Show. Now, back to Pastor Michael Lance, right here on Walkin' Truth. Arose over Egypt who did not know Joseph. So Moses' faith story begins when he was just a baby, and a pharaoh has now risen to power, and pharaoh is really just a title, and he didn't know Joseph, and, and maybe the implication is he didn't really care about Joseph. He didn't care about the significance of Joseph. You know, when someone takes leadership in a nation, influence can, can wane, and the influence someone had maybe on a past pharaoh may not matter to a current pharaoh. And that's really what happened. And this particular pharaoh was threatened by the uh, uh, explosion of the population of the Israelites, And this king of Egypt, 15, Exodus 1, spoke to the Hebrew midwives, one of whom was named Shifra, the other was named Pua. And he said, when you are helping the Hebrew women to give birth and see them upon the the birth stool, if it is a son, then you shall put him to death. But if it is a daughter, then she shall live. But the midwives feared God. And I will just say this to you. If you were a Hebrew midwife and the Pharaoh had gotten a message to you that if you see a boy being born, you're to kill it and you disobey probably the most powerful man on the planet at this time, your life is on the line. And the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom and knowledge. The fear of the Lord will cause you to do what's right and hate what's wrong, and the fear of the Lord will squash all other fears. Amen? Amen. If you live your life, and of course, you know, when we say the fear of the Lord, we're talking about reverential awe, but there is also always a component, both in Hebrew and Greek, of that word fear that speaks of fear in the sense that we understand fear. Not just holy reverence, But God is to be feared because he is powerful, holy, majestic, and controls the universe and speaks things forth and 
you know his power manifested on Mount Sinai in Exodus chapter 19 of many places. And so they feared the Lord more than they feared the Pharaoh. And I hope that's true of you and I, that we fear the Lord above all other fears. And they did not do as the Pharaoh or the king of Egypt had commanded them, but they let the boys live. So the king of Egypt called for the midwives. You can imagine that would be an intimidating phone call, right? And said to them, why have you done this thing and let the boys live? But the midwives, the midwives said to Pharaoh, because the Hebrew women are not as the Egyptian women, they are vigorous, (laughs) love that, and give birth before the midwife can get to them. Now, we don't know for sure if this is true or not. Um, it would appear that the midwives, these two midwives, may have been in charge of a larger group. It's hard to imagine that two Hebrew midwives could uh, take care of all these babies being born, left and right, up and down. I don't know all the details. People debate it. You know, were they being deceptive? Were they telling the truth? Was it a partial truth? I'll let you wrestle with that. But uh, God was good to the midwives. So whatever the backstory is, God saw it as a noble thing, what they did, because thou shall not murder is a pretty important commandment, amen? Amen. And this is what people in Nazi Germany had to wrestle with. Do we, if, if, if confronted, do we expose locations of Jewish people or even ones hiding in our closet or basement if the Nazis come to the door? What should we do? Do you have any Jews here? Uh, uh, I'm not supposed to lie, so yeah, they're in, in the closet. People really had to face things like this. And the greater good was to be deceptive to protect life. So I'll let you wrestle with whatever conclusion you come to. But God, uh, he honored the midwives. He was good to them. And the people multiplied and became very mighty because this terrible plan of uh, destruction was not obeyed. And because the midwives feared God, 21, he established households for them. And Pharaoh then took a alternate plan. He commanded all his people, saying, every son who is born you are to cast into the Nile, every daughter you are to keep alive. He, he basically went to a wider audience, Maybe his own advisors, maybe his inner circle, maybe all the citizens were told. Can you imagine this? A public address from the Pharaoh. All right, here's what I want you to do. You see a Hebrew baby boy, you grab it and you throw it into the Nile. That, that, that you say is almost unthinkable. It's sick. Really? You see what's happening today? Do you see that politicians want to push the laws to where a baby is born and then we can determine whether we kill it or not? Essentially, and by the way, this is coming from academia as well. This is coming from you know places like Princeton and others and Nobel laureate winners are, are making arguments that we should determine whether a child should live or die based upon our assessment and essentially throw children to the Nile God. By the way, the Egyptians did believe that the Nile was a god, small g. And Pharaoh was basically saying, I want you to turn the Nile red with blood. I want you to feed the babies to our God. 
What was the Nile to the Egyptians? Well, it was everything to them because it was life. A water source like the Nile River and the evidence from uh, the Egyptian records that we have is that most people live by the Nile because it was a water source. So they saw it as their economy. They saw it as their God. Do you see the connections to modern society? Oh, we, we call it by different rhetoric, but we're doing the same thing for the same reasons. Yes, there are some difficult exceptions, no doubt. And when I say exceptions, I mean difficult cases. I still don't think that the answer is to abort a child because the child is the innocent party. But I don't want to go too far in this direction. I just want to say this that we can couch it however we want in our political rhetoric. But the ones that did the right thing were the midwives. Amen? Amen. And God honored them. And you may be tempted in your circle of influence or people in your family who hold a certain political persuasion or they, they hold a position that sounds good until you really break it down to its bare minimum facts. God will never honor a society that kills its children. Never. So here we are, the good old U.S. of A., right? And we want God's blessings, and we'll say, God bless America in our speeches. And yet, the Nile is red with blood. You've been listening to A Faith That's Not Afraid, Part 1 on Walk in Truth. That was Pastor Michael's teaching in Hebrews 11, verses 23 through 26. And if you missed any part of today's program, Walk in Truth is always available on Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and many other podcast apps. Listen for free to Pastor Michael's teachings in more books of the Bible. And would you please tell a friend about Walk in Truth? We hope today's teaching will be a blessing and uplifting to someone you care about. Would you please encourage a friend or family member to listen to Walk in Truth on this station? If you're listening through your podcast app, please click the share button. Thanks so much for spreading the word about Walk in Truth. Now here's Pastor Michael with a final word. Well, hey, I have a question for you. Do you live anywhere near Corona? You say Corona. Can anything good come out of Corona? (laughs) Yes. Yes, Corona is the part of the beautiful Inland Empire. No, it's not right by the beach. It's about 25 minutes from the beach. But I tell you, Corona is a great city. Norco is a great city. Eastvale. Maybe you live in Yorba Linda. Maybe you're in Riverside. Hey, maybe you'd like to drive out from Orange County, somewhere deeper in Orange or even L.A. Maybe you just have been saying, I would love to worship one day with Living Truth Christian Fellowship with Pastor Michael in Corona. He keeps talking about what a great church it is. Well, here's your chance. 8.30 a.m., 10.30 a.m. services this morning, a 1 p.m. Spanish service, Sunday school for the kids at both services, a youth group at second service, the address 1009 Arsenal Way in the city of Corona. Think of the armor of God, 1009 Arsenal Way. Hey, if you can't make it, we do live stream our second service at 10.30 a.m. on our YouTube channel. You can connect to that through walkintruth.com. Just click on the YouTube link. But I've been saying, 
hey, if you're able-bodied, you're not a shut-in, you're not sick, get to church. You are the church. And if you don't show up, part of the church ain't there. Bottom line, so come. You say, well, I've been looking for a church. Okay. You live near the Inland Empire? Come. You like the preaching that you're hearing? It's from the pulpit of Living Truth and Corona. Come. Information, driving directions, all available. Walkintruth.com, click on the church tab. Walkintruth.com, click on the church tab. I would love to meet you. Say hi, shake your hand, give you a hug. Maybe share a donut and a cup of coffee. Or maybe not share one, but at least stand next to you while you eat one. Okay? (laughs) God bless you. Walkintruth.com, click on that church tab. Keep fighting the good fight. Love you all. We'll see you right here next time. Hey, just to let you know, Walk in Truth is a listener-supported ministry. Our hope is to broadcast this program on more radio stations to reach more people like you. Our ministry has grown a lot over the years, and it's thanks to our church and our listeners that have become our financial partners. Our producer, Rob Newton, went to Living Truth Christian Fellowship in Corona, California recently to update the congregation on the state of Walk in Truth. He talked about where we are, what's new, where we'd like to go, and how you can help. If you'd like to listen to Rob Newton and Pastor Michael's short presentation, you'll find it on the Walk in Truth podcast on your favorite podcast app. It's also on walkintruth.com. We've entitled it The State of Walk in Truth. And again, you'll find it on the Walk in Truth podcast on your favorite podcast app. And join us Monday for part two of Pastor Michael's teaching in Hebrews 11, verses 23 through 26, called A Faith That's Not Afraid. I'm Mike Massaro. On behalf of Pastor Michael Lance and Living Truth Christian Fellowship, thanks for listening to Walk in Truth, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people.